Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually... Actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince. But it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie. Also from Quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello, welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And before we get into it, a friendly reminder that you can visit our website, Forever 35 Podcast, for links to everything we mention. We're on Twitter at Forever 35 Pod. Instagram is where the party's at, at Forever 35 Podcast. And of course, the party's also on Facebook, where the Forever 35 Facebook group password to get in is serums. And I just want to remind everyone, you can sign up for our twice monthly Forever 35 newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. We also offer classified ads in the newsletter. So if you are a small business or I don't know, anything. You just want to, again, take out a personal ad. You can take out a personal ad. You can really do whatever you want, um, you know, within reason. So if you want more information about that, you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Whatever you have to say to us, you can also do it over voicemail or text at 781-591-0390. And again, our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. 
Mm-mm-mm. I'm just sipping a little bit of a bone broth as we record right now. So if you hear me slurping in the background, oh, that's, that's great. That's it's really good audio. Best practice. Yeah, it's really like a professional person would do that for um, for whatever they work in. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am, if nothing, if not a pro at podcasting. <laughs> well, I have a bit of a sore throat, so I'm I'm trying to kind of just coat it with something. You know what I'm saying? I do. But as we were talking about before we started recording, this does not appear to be an Omicron sore throat. No, a fun fact is that I appear to just have a cold, which I will say, obviously, I'm glad it's just a cold. But I'm also annoyed because the anxiety and the stress of trying to determine whether or not you have COVID is so high that I'm just like, you know, there's kind of this feeling. And obviously, I I don't truly wish this, but you're like, just fucking let it be Omicron so I can like move on with my life. You know, I just want to know and then take care of myself. But instead, I keep getting negative COVID tests and it appears that I just have the common cold. So, I mean, you know, it is sometimes, it is. sometimes a cold is just a cold. Colds suck, you know, but this isn't a bad one. But I, I have, you know, a scratchy sore throat, a runny nose, a slight cough, and, um, and then high anxiety. So there you go. Keeping Fun those, times. the <laughs> Abbott pharmaceutical company maker of the Binax now quick. COVID test in business. That is what I'm, that's my goal for the year. I know. Oh. Yeah. But, you <sighs> know, before I kind of started feeling like this, like literally has just kicked in in the last couple of hours, but um, I went to Costco, Dory, and I feel reborn. Say more, please. I haven't been to Costco in months, the month. And I had a ton of stuff to pick up and I had some stuff I was getting for like my kids teachers and I was just like, I'm going to just take it easy. I'm going to like really be chill in this Costco run and I just enjoy myself. And it felt so well. So we were down to our last roll of toilet paper. So it was an urgent Costco run. Okay. Um, but it just felt so nice to be surrounded by lots of things. I don't know what it was. I don't know. I don't think it was just the feeling of normalcy. It was more just like, God, I love Costco. I love, (laughs) I love this big thing of tissues. I love these Kirkland brand Ugg boots that I got. I just, I love it. I love the entire experience. I felt overjoyed. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It just felt good to be back in a Costco. You know what, Kate? I am so happy for you. You know, look, I, we've t- and I almost was like, I should make a haul video, but I, I'm not going to do that. But there were so many also like great kind of like self-care, skincare products at Costco this week that I just feel like people need to either hop online to Costco.com or just, you know, make sure they are taking their time when they're perusing. Someone was doing like an aloe moisturizer demonstration. I mean, it just felt great. I, I don't know. Everything wow. about it felt great. Yep. Yep. It felt good, Dory. Okay. Did, what did you get besides toilet paper? I mean, I got Kirkland Signature Ladies Shearling Boots for thirty two ninety nine. Little wow. tiny, like, you know how like ankle Ugg boots are back? No, you, but I believe you. They are back in style, Dory. Suddenly the ankle Ugg has taken the world by storm. 
Wow. You know, 17 you heard it years. You heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it. Breaking news. And of course I was coveting them, but I'm not going to pay for a full UGG, but I will pay for a Kirkland signature. Why not? Why not? I got like Dawn soap, my favorite. I got so many organic berries. I mean, I just was like, oh, I got some salmon. I don't know. I just felt overjoyed. I felt overjoyed. <laughs> I don't, again, maybe it's just the feeling of like tricking myself into feeling like I'm living my normal life when in actuality I'm not, but it just was like, mm, you know? Oh, and Dory, the best news. Yes. <laughs> they had my favorite preparation H wipes. Oh, hello. Which I have not found for months because I believe of the supply chain issue. And if you want to know how. How much I consider Dory a good friend. She was the person I texted with the good news. (laughs) And I was really happy for you and your butt. You supported me. You knew exactly. I was like, Dory's going to know, right? Like, she's going to know when I text her just a photo of butt wipes. I knew immediately. I was like, finally, Kate can (laughs) get some butt relief. (laughs) My, I like got home and I was like, Anthony, look. And he was like, great. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> I mean, they have, you know, they have in store, they have the SK2 facial treatment essence. Now, granted, at Costco, it's $199, which I believe is cheaper than what it normally is. It's still crazy expensive, but I did spot that. They've got some Woleda. You can get some, La, you can get La Mer through Costco. <sighs> I'm just saying. Wow. I'm just okay. saying. Okay. There's some goodies to be found at your local Costco. You can get regular La Mer at Costco? Yes. In fact, wow. the first time, the first skincare product, the first serum I ever bought on the advice of a friend, probably about like six or seven years ago, was Estee Lauder's Advanced Night Repair. And I bought it at Costco. So, oh, wow. Yeah. You can find some really good skin scores at Costco. Wow. Okay. I mean, right now I am eyeballing some La Mer. I'm not going to lie. I am eyeballing it on their website. I mean, I think you have to go, you have to follow your heart. Follow my heart and not my credit card statement is what you're saying. (laughs) Follow my heart and not. Not my bank account. Uh, look, I am not going to get involved in your bank account. No, no. You just support my shopping habits. I support, I support, you know, I just support you being a happy, fulfilled person. Well, thank you. I mean, as I feel like we've discussed, you know, the endless pursuit of a cream keeps me imagining like I can achieve that goal. And I think that's a, it's a laudable goal. Hey, before we discuss more like COVID stress, do you, do you sunscreen your hands every day? Like the top of your hands? I do. I feel like I've really let my hands down. I will also say I've started doing something else. Um, I've started putting, uh, just dabbing a little bit of the same skincare I put on my face on my hands. Okay, wait, break this down for me. Do you wash your hands? Like wash your hands with skincare soap? No. Okay, okay. But 
after you like do your facial skincare, you yeah, put I'll just, like, like I'll just dab some, like I'll just slap some like CoQ10 serum on, and then I'll put a little bit of cream on. Like nothing super crazy, but like I've started doing that, and I also do sunscreen my hands. Okay. Wow. What do your you think? Hands, your hands are getting the full facial treatment. How do they look? Hold on. Let me just take it. Let me take a really good up close glance. They look good. I have like hand wrinkles. <laughs> like this is when I was pushing my cart in Costco and I could see like, I, I, they're hard to show you via camera, yeah, but I can't really see. I'm experiencing aging on my hands. I and mean, I was, we, we all are. And like, yes, and I know that's like, we're all going to age everywhere. Yeah. But I was kind of like, oh, I've been ignoring these things, these paws of mine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think sunscreen on hands is just generally a good practice. It is. And I always forget to do it. I don't do it like regularly and I really need to, especially because now I have a scar on the top of my hand. Um, oh. oh, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, surgery yeah. scar. Yeah. Um, How is your hand, by the way? Well, Dory, thank you so much for asking. It is, um, I don't have a full grip. I'm going to probably be in physical therapy for many months. But, you know, aside from some stiffness and the fact that, like, you know, I can't. Can you see the the difference? You can see, right? Like kind of, f- it's a, it's a little pixelated. Yeah, um, yeah, it's not fully back to normal. I would say I'm at like sixty percent, um, but I can do stuff. I can type. I can like hold a grocery bag. I can, you know, swing a baseball bat. I don't know. I can kind of do stuff. So it feels it's feeling okay. I feel like okay. overjoyed that. Um, I am able to work. Honestly, that was the scariest. That was the scariest thing. Anyway, you've also been in COVID hell. Although like you've been in the same kind of hell I've been in the like, it's, is it COVID or isn't it? Yeah. Either way it affects everything. Yeah. So we had like a childcare scare with like, is it or isn't it? And like, it's pretty clear now that it isn't. Um, but yeah, it just sort of like, it starts this like snowball effect of things <laughs> where you're like, ah, um, but that's just like where we are right now, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like you were kind of having this happen this week and my observation of you as your like friend and business partner was like, you were handling everything like really in stride. Which I just like, I just noted. Well, thank you. But I, I feel like it is also only fair for me to note that my husband is not working right now. Mm. So he, like yesterday, for example, I had a bunch of work I had to get done in the morning and he was able to take Henry. Um, Like if he were, if this had been like a month ago, that would not have been possible. I would Very have true. been with Henry all day and trying to like get work done. So I was really lucky. So I think that that made me be a little less stressed about it than I perhaps would have been if we were both trying to work full time or, you know, I mean, when Matt is working, he's not here. He's on a yep. set. It's not like he can like, you know, take breaks between zooms. It's like, he's, not here. So right, right. Um, that was just, I felt like, okay, at least he's here. Um, but you know, I think 
almost everyone I know with small kids right now, there's been some disruption. Um, because, you know, if, like, if older kids who are vaccinated get exposed, they don't have to quarantine. No. Because if, if, they, younger, if they're yeah, vaccinated, yes. Yeah, if they're vaccinated, if a younger child gets exposed, they have to quarantine. And like, it usually means that, you know, a daycare classroom is shut down. Like it just, it just leads to all sorts of problems. Um, the fact that kids under five cannot be vaccinated right now, which is like very infuriating and like, I don't know doesn't seem to be a priority for anyone. <sighs> it's so annoying. It is annoying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm just hoping that, like, we can ride this Omicron wave until it subsides and hopefully come out the other end, like, relatively unscathed. Yeah, me too. That's where I'm at right now. Oh, gosh. I mean, there I was mean, a report today that's like, the waves are coming down. And then I read another headline. It was like, this might not be the worst wave. And it was like, I don't know oh, the emotional bandwidth for this. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. So. You know what I was thinking? What? We've been doing this podcast for four years now, right? Yeah. Two of those years have been in this pandemic. Yeah. Like the only March. Yeah, we only did a podcast for two years in like, quote unquote, normal times. I mean, look, were they even normal? That's up for debate. I think now that we're like coming up on two years, it's this, this has made a lot of people be like, whoa, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know what else though I did this morning? Besides. Seruming your hands? Besides seruming my hands. I clean the kitchen. <gasps> did you wash the top of the stove? I did. I oh. washed and the top of the stove was very gross. You could like make a meal from the amount of f- food that's like stuck on the top of my stove yeah, right now. Yeah, it was not pretty. <laughs> I didn't I didn't mop the floor, but I like pretty much did everything else. But yeah, wow. the top of the stove was like Oh my God. That was actually, I think, the impetus, not even the stack of dishes in the sink. It was like, this stove is so gross that, like, I need to address this immediately. (laughs) There's like something to be said for like the amount of time I can avoid how gross the stove is. Like, you just, it just keeps building and there's like splatters. Yep. And you just let it sit there. Well, good for you. How long did it take you to clean your whole kitchen? That's a, that's a, that can be a real schlep. I want to say it took about an hour. And then I also washed my sheets. Ooh, Dory, you are just killing it today. Well, you know, we do normally have a cleaning person who comes, you know, we're lucky enough to, to have that, um, but they haven't come in like almost a month. So, you know, as as discussed previously on this podcast, my husband and I are not naturally the most tidy people. And having a weekly cleaning person is like kind of barely keeps us on the edge of like <laughs> the bare minimum of cleanliness. And so um, the fact that she hasn't been coming has been 
rather detrimental to our houses. Um, yeah. Tightness. I hear you. Yep. Yep. You say no more. I hear you and I see you. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it just, it was like at the point where I was like, no, we got to do it. We got to scrape this food off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I should do that too. Actually, now that you say that. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, Kate, before we take a break, let's introduce our listeners to our guest this week. Take it away, Tori. Um, our guest is Natasha Tarpley, who is the author of the best-selling picture book, I Love My Hair, as well as other acclaimed titles for children and adults, including the recent children's book, The Me I Choose to Be. She's the recipient of a National Endowment for the Arts Fellowship, among other awards. And when she is not writing books, Ms. Tarpley can usually be found reading them, which is something we get into in our conversation. She has also taken up the cruel and unusual hobby of running marathons. Ms. Tarpley is the co-founder of Wunderbar Media, a multicultural children's book media company. She lives with her husband and the ghosts of two cats. Another thing that we did talk about. Oh, we on did. On the south side of Chicago. That was like the first thing I was like, I've got to deal with these ghost <laughs> oh cats. Um, all right. So we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back with Natasha. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic, intelligent people on this podcast but I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden 
or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Hey, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires and just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, "Oh god, like get this off of me." <laughs> No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic 
whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Natasha, welcome to Forever 35. We're really glad to have you on the show today. And thank you for having me. I'm glad to be to be here. So we try to start every interview by asking our guests about a self-care practice that they have in their own life um, that can look like anything to them. Uh, you know, we've had everything from naps to letter writing to journaling. I mean, you name it, we've talked about it. Um So we would love to hear if there is something that you do on a regular basis in your life that you consider a self-care practice. Well, one of them is something that I've had since I was a kid, and that is reading in bed um, Mm -hmm. at night, right before Mm -hmm. I sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And that has been my absolute favorite to do, um, again, since I was a kid. So I, I will read. Now I have a Kindle. I used to have a flashlight or a reading light when I was uh, a kid. So that's one that I do. It just helps me to uh, kind of decompress from the day. And, you know, when you're a kid and you're under your covers, it's like your own little private space. And so it, it still feels that way. Can I ask you a question about that? Well, this is something that we have discussed actually very recently because Dory and I are both bed readers at night. Uh, but I have a hard time shutting down as a reader. Like I could keep going the second I'm involved in a book until two in the morning. And I know Dory has talked about this. Do you, does it, do you get swept up in a book? Like how do you set book boundaries for yourself at night? <laughs> that is the question. I, I, I think my body sets the boundaries for me because okay. I'm a night owl just naturally. And when I start getting sleepy, it's like, okay, I know it's time for me to go to bed. Even reluctantly, sometimes I just set it aside because I also labor books, you know, so if I'm really caught up in a book and I know I'm going to want to come back to it, I, I try to save it deliberately. So it's hard, but those are the kinds of things that I do. I stay up till like four o'clock morning reading sometimes, which is really terrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is wow. It, is it terrible though? I mean, like you can, right? Like it sounds that sounds very satisfying. It is satisfying. Natasha, I'm curious what you are reading right now. I'm reading a lot of ghost stories, speaking of ghost cats. Um mm-hmm. I'm writing a middle grade, a new middle grade series that um has to do with 
the supernatural. So I'm reading a lot of um, middle grade ghost stories. Um, right now I'm reading the Peculiar Incident on Shady Street by uh, Lindsay Curry. Um, I'm also reading a novel called Build Your House Around My Body by uh, um, Violet Cooper Smith, which is a Vietnamese-based uh, uh, ghost story, which is really interesting as well. Ooh. Do you think this is why you are... Like, if if I were reading ghost stories at night, I too would be up until 4 a.m. Because <laughs> I would... That's nothing new, though, for me. <laughs> it's not the ghost. <laughs> you know, I actually really love that you mentioned being a night owl. And this is not to make it about me, as I love to do, but... Um, I was, I have been reading a book about going to bed early so I can, with the light and wake up early with the sun. So I appreciate you coming in with the other perspective because, you know, so we're fed so much information that feels like, you know, this is what we should be doing that sometimes I think we cannot honor what actually our bodies and brains want to do. You know, it sounds like you've always known this about yourself that you are a person who can go for a while at night. Absolutely. I think all of us in our family, we were all raised as night owls. So it comes naturally. Um, and we were never the kids who had, you know, the set bedtime. You know, one time my mom as a punishment made us go to bed at like nine o'clock. <laughs> it was just torture. <laughs> we ended up sneaking up TV, you know, staying up a little bit later anyway. But yeah. So that's just a part of our upbringing. Um, your mom sounds amazing. And I I know that she was part of the inspiration for I Love My Hair. I was wondering if you could kind of tell us how the seed of that book, um, which has now, I mean, been out for over 20 years and has been such an important addition to children's literature. Um, if you could tell us kind of what your relationship with, like, was her, with her and how it kind of grew into the inspiration for your book. Yeah. Um, my mom and I are very close. Uh, we were just, I just had my birthday last week and she was telling me, she always tells us our, my siblings and I, are, our, our birth stories. And she was telling me about a moment um, when I was five, actually, and we were walking down the street and how we had kind of made a deal that we would be best friends. And so Aww. that has, I mean, yeah. And so that has kind of been the thing that um, she is, uh, very close to me. Um, and when I was younger, she would write these little stories about me and my siblings. Um, as we were growing up, she would take down this uh, big clunky black electric typewriter and go off into her own little space. And she would produce these stories. And for me, it was an important moment um, in that it made that connection between my life and the things that I did and what happened in a story and, and what made a story. So that was one very crucial moment for me. Um, and as far as I love my hair, we, we also had a ritual where um, there are four kids in my family. I'm the oldest. So I'm the person who always had to share everything. So when I got my hair combed, that was one of the few times my mom and I had time alone. Um, and so we had a ritual where we would, pretend that there were people who were living in my hair mm. um, as she combed my hair. And so we would make up these little stories 
about these characters um, as we went along. And I tried to achieve that, you know, recreate those stories and those characters in the space of a picture book. And it was, it just got very unruly and very hard to follow. So (laughs) I um, pared it down to the essence of what that experience was about. And it was about that connection between my mom and myself. And it was also about creativity. So the, the little girl the little, um, in I Love My Hair um, talks about all the different ways that she can wear her hair and she connects, you know, a sense of creativity and imagination with all of those styles, like her afro is like a globe or her ponytails are like wings. And so that very essence of that, you know, sense of creativity and imagination was what I, you know, hope and joy was what I uh, wanted to put into I Love My Hair. Talk about like an amazing self-care practice passed down from a a parent, not just like the nightly ritual of doing hair, but just the, the creative exploration and just that connection with each other sounds really magical. I mean, what an, what an amazing gift. That's so, your mom sounds incredible. Yeah, that's really, I mean, that's really special. Um, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit more about your decision to write children's books. I mean, I know you went to law school and seems like you were headed for a different path and then um, decided to write children's books. So I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so my path is definitely not a straight line by any, not that anyone's is, but I've always, so in some ways it is because writing has always been a part of me. Um, I always say that I started writing when I was seven, but, you know, I think even earlier than that, I was so drawn to the world of stories and books um, that it just felt like something that was organically a part of, of who I was. And writing was also the way that I kind of found my own voice my own place in the world. I was a very shy kid, still a pretty shy person. And so Mm -hmm. writing was the space where I could just kind of express myself and, you know, kind of be who I was. And then I found once I did that, um, that I was rewarded for that, you know, teachers, parents, family members encouraged me in that. So I was very fortunate in that way. Um, And so that as in terms of writing as that way of navigating the world has always been consistent. Uh, When I got to college, I um, felt pretty lost. And again, I turned Mm. back to my writing and I created a a network of black college student writers. Um, And that network ended up in an anthology, which I edited called testimony, which is no longer in print but includes, you know, early work by some of today's, you know, really fantastic Black writers like uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, Jelani Cobb, others are, you know, we were all kind of in that space together. Wow. Um, so it's also a document of, you know, what some of those writers were doing very early yeah. in their career. Oh, boy, I would um, love to read that. Yeah, it's, I mean, you can still get a copy, Okay. but it's no longer um, in print. I actually have the rights to it, so I'm trying to figure out if I want to re-release it or something like that. Um, So writing has always been that 
thing of way of making of exploration and also of making a statement because part of I'm, I know I'm on a long winding journey, but mm, part of testimony great. part of testimony was about you know making a statement that was beyond this kind of typical narrative of a black life and culture. So it was really looking at you know who these writers were as individuals, as intellectuals, um, you know, looking at the spectrum of, of our experiences as young Black writers. And so that's what I wanted to also bring into my work for children. Um, as you said, um, the I Love My Hair has been around for over 20 years. And at that time, it always felt to me that books that featured Black kids were very heavy handed that, mm-hmm. you know, there was always like this big message that you had to get out of and, and get out of it. And admittedly, I love my hair also has a message, but I wanted to bring a sense of levity and joy um, to that kind of writing for black kids. And I think for me, um, I want to create spaces in my work where black kids can not just see themselves on the page, but can kind of, make an emotional connection and be invited to kind of explore who they are on all levels um, and not just look at external things like your hair or your skin color and feel like you have to kind of wrestle with that or apologize for that um, in the world. And and my hope is that the stories that I write will appeal to all readers in general, but also specifically to Black kids in that they will um, be able to kind of enjoy who they are and celebrate who they are and approach the world in a more holistic way. So you're not just always dealing with like an issue or confronting this topic or, you know, fighting against this thing. You're a whole person and I want kids to really acknowledge and revel in, in that. I feel like joy is such a good word to describe your new book, um, which, you know, when I was reading, the, 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 it's called The Me I Choose to Be, um, and it just, it, it exudes joy. Um, and it's just such a lovely book. And I'd love for, I'd love to hear a little bit more, um, about, that and you know, it, I really saw it as like a celebration of children's emotions, of their hopes and their dreams. And um, I'm just wondering, like, what do you, what do you kind of hope children reading this get out of the book? And um, how do you, how do you hope they'll be kind of inspired by it? Yeah, um, I hope that they will. I mean, one of the reasons why I, I really wanted to write this book in this way. I mean, it's written in kind of text that I hope is inviting. It's it's rhyming. It's, as you were saying, Dory, kind of very joyful. Um, and I really want to um, encourage kids to not only see that, like the, the photographs by Creative Soul are just stunning. They're so amazing. Have, yeah, they're gorgeous. You have they're these, so like, amazing cool. images. <laughs> yeah. That I later found out from them that their models are actually involved in creating those costumes and creating the looks. Oh, so how they, cool. So, yeah. So they're really like authentically 
kind of what young kids would be into that. I mean, that really, that makes so much sense. And that really comes across um, in the book. And so for me, it is that sense of power, Mm -hmm. you know, it's joy, but it's also power. That statement of I am the me I choose to be, you know, and for me at this time, I think there's so many messages about black people, black culture that, you know, I want, kids to really claim that sense of no, you're not going to tell me who I am, I'm going to explore and I'm going to figure out and I'm going to kind of decide who I am and for all kids to kind of claim that that power. Can I ask a question as a children's book author, do you also consider the impact that your books have on the adults reading them or reading them with their kids? I know that I'm a parent and I mean, Doria's as well. And there have been times where I've just sat and wept at some of these books that I'm reading for my children. And I get completely caught off guard at how um, powerful they are just for me. Uh, and I, I would love to know if that's something that you consider at all, or if you've gotten feedback from adult readers along those lines. Yeah, I. that's a really good question. Because I think when I'm writing, I'm usually mostly focused on the kids. So not so mm-hmm. focused on... Um, how adults will receive the book. Um, so that's the short answer of that. The, the bigger, <laughs> the bigger answer is that I hope that the books that I write will impact all of us, you know, and that the adults who are purchasing these books, the adults who are um, raising children, um, you know, who have the power to say, I want my child to receive this kind of education, or I want these kinds of books to be published. Um, I, I really hope that that will be something that, that sparks a desire um, for more of, of the kinds of stories that, you know, I and other writers are, are creating. So in that way, yes. And also um I've been really fortunate that people who I've read, I love my hair are becoming parents themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. and I've had people come up to me on the street crying and saying how much book meant to them, you know, as they were growing up or even receiving it as an adult. So it's, it's been really wonderful to to get that feedback and to, to recognize that that's also a part of the experience, you know, what the adults are are getting out of the book as well. I love um, your Instagram bio, which says, I promote self-love, empowerment, and self-acceptance, which I think is very evident in your work. Um, and I, I wanted to know how you cultivate those things in your own life for yourself. Has that been a journey for you or those things that come organically? What is that like for you? I think it's always a journey. Um, and I, I've learned over time to accept it as such. So, you know, when I was a teenager, I wanted to look a certain way or, you know, I was, I wanted to um, be some, something else. Like I, this was a funny part of it. I, I imagined that I would become a British rock star. You know, I used to speak with a British accent and I, you know, oh, had a little punk rock band and all that stuff, you know, so that was my fantasy, but, but, in, but overall, I think it's always a process. Um, and the way I kind of cultivate that is I'm a very curious person. 
So I'm always exploring things. Um, so I'm always kind of adding to my sense of self in that way, like ex- exploration and figuring out, oh, what else is there out there for me to know about? I think the thing that I'm also learning too is that there's an emotional exploration that that has to happen as well. I'm very, very devoted to my work. Um, I'm very like excited about the world, but um, I recently had a couple of health issues, nothing, you know, major, but enough where my body was like, you have to focus on yourself in this Mm -hmm. way too. So this kind of slowing down, really, really going inside and recognizing the needs that I have in that way as well, you know, emotional, physical, that kind of thing. So it's always a process. I think. And it's, it's a journey. Yeah. It's never easy. It feels always feels like the older we get, the more we should know how to do that. And I feel like the older I get, the more I'm relearning that I don't know how to do that. <sighs> Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad, they're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. All right, we are back. Natasha, I'm curious since, you know, 
at the beginning of our conversation, you talked about how you um, sometimes stay up till four in the morning reading. Um, I'm wondering, what does a kind of typical day for you look like when you are working on a book? Like, do you do you wake up at 8am? Or do you sleep late? When do you work? I'm curious about your process. Yeah, I um, I usually don't wake up very early. (laughs) I won't say the time, but um, I don't usually wake up very early. But my ritual is, um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work from home. Uh, My husband and I both uh, work from home. So I get up, go downstairs, make my coffee, and then come right back up here where I am now in my office. Um, And I'm pretty good at sitting down um, at my computer. I'm trying to to make a a routine where I don't go directly into my inbox and just, Mm -hmm. you know, look around there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because that eats up so much time and all the busy work that has to be done. It's... I've tried to figure out a way to restructure that, Um, but some things, obviously I I need an assistant, which I don't have yet, but so I have to, there are things that I have to address and then I get into making my writing plan. Um, Usually I, if I'm right in the midst of a project, I usually make a plan for what I'm going to do the day before. So Mm -hmm. I like to write um, in little chunks. So I know exactly how much, I mean, you never know exactly, but I like to at least give myself a, a guideline or a guidepost. I'm a big outliner. So I try to get, I try to identify a point that I want to get to and then achieve that, that goal for that day. I would mm. love to be that person. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier said than done, but Yeah. I know, but it sounds so satisfying. Like you, you know what you want to get into going into your day. And then once you're, once you've achieved it, I mean, I, I assume you can just be like, okay, I've, I've done what I set out to do today and kind of wrap up, which is that, that feels so satisfying. I feel like I, when, I, when I sit down to write, I just, it's sort of like this. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that unhinged feeling. I know. I know what you're talking yes. about, Dory. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, Natasha, you also you have a company, right, called Wunderbar Media, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. From what I have gathered, you started it about ten years ago, and I'd love for you to talk about some of the projects you've produced there, and also kind of how you've seen the landscape change or not for multicultural children's um, media products. Yeah, so Wunderbar, I I I started it ten years ago, um, also with my mom. This is a project we were going to do together. Cool. And at that time, we were focused on primarily books. So we started, um, we published one book and we realized this is very hard. (laughs) Uh, Publishing your own book um, is very difficult. And we, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of after that experience, wanted to relook at um, sort of where we want to go with the the company. So it's been in kind of a hiatus uh, stage for a while. And, um, now, I think that there are so many other opportunities in terms of 
being able to produce media uh, independently um, that, you know, we're really trying to look at, you know, my, uh, my mom and uh, as well as uh, we're as a family, just trying to get this started again and to really, all of us are very committed to creating media products that really celebrate diverse kids and families and experiences. And we're just trying to figure out what that's going to look like. Is your sister also a writer? Is this just as a family passion for storytelling? Was this just passed down or did it all kind of everybody all kind of meet at a point where you all were doing this? My sister is not a writer. She's into technology. And so she started her own uh, tech company where she created um, a keyboard for kids. Um, She's working on other kind of technology related products and um, apps and things right now. So I think one of the things that we were fortunate enough to have as a family that really nurtured um, that sense of exploration and curiosity um, I know others who are friends of mine felt like they were very pressured to go in a certain direction or take a certain path in their lives. And and we were very, um, we were able to kind of explore and figure out where we wanted to go. Um, So all of us have kind of gone on different paths, but uh, yeah, just that sense of, you know, permission and, and having it sense of curiosity instilled at an early age, I think was really important for all of us. It's interesting you say that too, because I feel like that sense of permission um, is hard for adults to give themselves. Like Doreen, I get a lot of questions from people, you know, like, am I too old to become a writer or can I do this? And it's just, I, I don't think I've ever heard the word permission used, but that just clicks so deeply is that it really is like permission. You give yourself permission to explore, try something new, not worry about failing. And that's, that is very hard to come by for a lot of us. Absolutely. And I think it is so important, um, again, going back to kids to kind of instill that early yeah. on so that they approach the world with that sense of curiosity. I have a lot of kids who ask me, you know, well, how do I become a writer? How do I get published? And I think, you know, that's, that's definitely a goal that's achievable, but cultivating a sense of openness uh, and, and curiosity about the world and, and wanting to explore and learn about new things, I think, is so key to any kind of endeavor, whether you're going to be a writer or an architect or a scientist, whatever you want to be. Um, that sense is, is very important. And I, you know, I try to, um, it's hard when you're an adult to get out of those patterns, you know, but uh, I think if you do little things, I mean, that definitely helps to, to get you more comfortable with, you know, exploring a little bit further each time. Do you have advice or thoughts for parents who want to raise kind of intellectually curious, um, creative children based on what sounds like, you know, your own wonderful upbringing? Um, yeah, I, uh, I, feel like, you know, one of the things that my parents did, uh, especially my mom growing up, was expose us to a lot of 
very different things. And I feel like that's part of sort of the culture of parenting now, <laughs> like with kids being exposed to a lot of uh, different things. And I'm seeing that in when I meet kids, go to school visits, um, kids are, are very aware. Um, they're very aware of the world. They're very aware of their interests. So I think, um, I think a lot of that is part, becoming more part of our, our culture now. Um, I think it's also important to be as honest as we can with our children and, mm-hmm. and to talk to them about um, things that are happening in the world, but also, you know, encourage them to explore other cultures, to meet people of different backgrounds, to talk to them, to talk about um, the experiences that uh, you've had in your own family and to mm-hmm. connect them with their own family history so that they have a, a greater sense of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's one of the things that we all kind of miss out on. You know, many of us have parents and grandparents and others who came from different countries um, or even my family from the South. And a lot of them wanted to leave the past in the past and they weren't um, as interested in sharing, you know, those experiences. So I think being cognizant of that and really sharing your own experiences and your family's experiences will, um, I think, help kids to be anchored and, um, you know, more aware of the the fullness of their own history and, and who they are. And maybe from that can get a sense of, well, I can go and explore and make my own path as well. I'm sorry, that was so rambling. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was really, it was, it was really thoughtful um, and very helpful as a as a parent. <laughs> I okay. I have to ask about the ghost of two cats that you live with. Per your bio on your website, you said that many people reference this. <laughs> Do you regret putting this in your bio because everybody notices and latches on? I'm, I'm, is it? Are these your cats that have passed? Yes, mm. and, and you know they're not like mean ghosts or anything like that. It's just really a, a sense of them being, you know, in the space, you know, spiritually. Um, in fact, the reason I put that bio put them in that bio is that that was originally a bio that I wrote for my book, The Harlem Charade. And both of my cats kind of died sort of during the, during the writing of of that book. And it was really like, you know, very kind of, one of them was unexpected and the other was, you know, almost 20 years old. So (laughs) that one was not as unexpected, but um, having been with that, those animals, they were really a part of the family. And so I feel like they're still kind of hanging around. Sometimes I'll just catch a glimpse of movement out of the corner of my eye or something will move on my desk in the way that my cats used to come up and shuffle my papers. So that's it. (laughs) Do you have any cats currently? No, we don't have any pets right now. It's, it's a, it's a, ongoing discussion my husband is a a dog person i am not a dog person he loved the cats so maybe but i'm also loving a life that is free of cat hair yeah um and litter boxes so yeah i had a cat (laughs) yeah 
I, I loved my cat. I have her ashes. I mean, yep. she was the best, but the amount of like vomiting and litter that I had that we dealt with for 16 years was a lot. It, it's a lot. Yeah. Cats are a lot. Yeah. We have a forever 35 cat Facebook group. We have this like amazing Facebook community that have spun off from the podcast, but there is a very diehard group of listeners who are cat people who have their own Facebook group. So I think they will. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. They'll be very happy to hear you speak of the spirit of your cat still lingering. I think that's really special. Oh, cool. Cool. Well, mm, this has been such a nice conversation, Natasha. This has been really great. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a lot of fun. If our listeners want to find out more about you, your books, your work, where uh, is the best place for them to look for you? Uh, my website has most of my books up there. It's Natasha Tarpley Writes, and that's W-R-I-T-E-S dot com. Um, Instagram at Natasha Tarpley and Natasha Tarpley on Facebook as well. So I'm terrible at social media. So if I don't... <laughs> If I don't see your message or get it or whatever, just know that that's the reason. Well, uh, you are seen. We get it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you again. This was really lovely. Yes. Thank you guys too. You know, Kate, we didn't talk about this in our conversation with Natasha, but it was so, it was interesting talking to her because the way that we kind of first knew about her is because she's the older sister of a friend of mine from elementary school. Yes. We didn't talk about this until like the interview ended and you were like, how's blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, wait a second. And Natasha was always like, the much quote unquote much older sister, Uh. (laughs) you know, cause when you're like 13, someone who's like 19. Oh my gosh. So old, so you know? old, and, and it was so like, cool. Yeah, and she's in college. It's <laughs> <was> like, whoa! <laughs> I couldn't even talk to my friends' older college age siblings. I, I they intimidated me not by anything they did, just like their yeah, essence. just their just their existence yes. was intimidating, especially because at the time this was the early nineties. Like, and boy, if you were in college in the early nineties. You were badass. Oh, yeah. You were in Doc Martens. You knew music I had never heard of. Yep. Yep. You maybe had a piercing. (laughs) You maybe had a piercing. (laughs) Uh. I loved getting to talk to Natasha. I really just... You know what I really loved? I kind of loved... Like finally having a night owl on because you know I'm so obsessed with going to bed yes. early. Yes, Dory. Yes. Oh my gosh, I was in a meeting yesterday for my book promotion, and I'm very lucky that um, my editor and um, the person who does publicity for Forever, my publisher, they listen to the podcast, so they know me like both from working with me and also from hearing the pod. But we were talking about what time an event would start, and my editor was like. But don't you guys know that Kate goes to bed early? And I was like, oh, I feel so seen by you all right now. But yeah, I liked having a, I liked having a representative of the night owls on the show. That's so funny. You know, we need like, I do yeah. feel like we need more night owls to speak, to speak the truth because 
you know, I feel like they get a bad rap, especially for me. I feel like I've been talking shit about night owls, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, I'm glad that Natasha spoke to that and, and what yeah. it's like to be a late night person. It's such a, yeah, it's such a good point because you're right. We so like, I feel like wellness culture, quote unquote, has like really indoctrinated us to this idea of like, you must go to bed early for your mental and physical well-being. Like that is like a cornerstone. Yes. Like the whole book I'm reading is basically about that. It's like, that is the ethos. Yeah. And she was just like, this is what works for me and my body. I remember years ago, a few years ago, when I worked at BuzzFeed, I profiled the author Michael Shabon. Mm -hmm. And he basically also like works overnight. Like he would stay up like all night and then sleep till I think like 11 or something. Um, Whereas his wife worked more during the day. Um, But yeah, he was just like, this is like, this is like when I'm my most creative, my most productive. I work at night. Um, and then, you know, during the day and the afternoons, he was like, they have four kids. So he was always like free to hang out with the kids and do that kind of stuff. But yeah, he was like, I'm a, I'm a night owl. So yeah, I feel like there is ultimately, right? There is no like one size fits all. Yeah, I, I, I will say I agree, even though going to sleep early does feel better for my own body and bones. Maybe well, I then- need to be more open-minded about it. Then that's right. Then that's what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know? So. Well, let's intench. Let's intench it up. Uh, you know, last week I had committed to like not feeling guilty about getting off my phone early if need be. Mm-hmm. Turns out I had a hard time getting off my phone before like nine, nine thirty. So. Okay. I don't know if I really succeeded, but I'm going to keep trying. And then, um, you know, this week, if you've listened to the podcast recently, you heard how I made a really bad vegan macaroni and cheese. And so I would like to find (laughs) one good family friendly vegetarian meal Uh, that I haven't cooked before that everyone in my family can enjoy. That's my intention for the week. One vegetarian dinner. Okay. I'm excited for you. Do you have any leads? Do you have places where you're going to look? Well, you know, I was going to make this like sweet potato kidney bean burrito. But then after the the macaroni and cheese incident, I wasn't like trusting my instincts. So now now you're a little gun shy. Honestly, I am. I'm kind of questioning myself a bit. So I need to kind of really... I do know like my kids do love you know, like an air fryer tofu. So I can kind of go down that route, but yeah. I'd like to expand our palates a bit more. I'll keep you posted. Please do. What is on your list this week? Well, so last week I wanted to kind of explore my restlessness. How did this go? Well, you know, I, I think, I think I'm a little depressed. I think that's mm. part of the problem. Yeah. So, um, that's just kind of like where I'm at right now. That's, that's that's as far as the exploration has gotten me. That's a fine spot to be in. I mean, that's enough, you know? Yeah, I feel like I am. I feel like I know when I'm depressed because I like two of the. My two big like depression markers are like losing interest in things that like normally bring you joy mm-hmm. and also being like very irritable. I get very irritable when I'm depressed. Mm. Yeah. Like my fuse is extremely short. 
And I have just been like, uh, not feeling it lately. Just like everything is like setting me off. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I'm trying to like give myself a little grace in that regard. Good. As you should. Of just being like, you know what? This season of life is like, maybe I'm not going to complete the great American novel. I just need to fucking deal with like living in the world. Yeah. You cleaned your kitchen. I clean my kitchen. Exactly. That's huge. So that has been the sum total of my restlessness exploration this week. That seems very productive, honestly. Oh, thank you. Um, and then this week, you know, my, my like big Christmas present this year, my husband got me a new iPad because my old one had basically become useless because it was so slow and had like no storage. Um, and so I've been like happily doodling around on my iPad before bed, including using the Kindle app and reading. But I think I need to just get back to an old fashioned paper book in bed. I mean, definitely for a, you. For a little yes. while, especially at night. I think that's especially very... at night. I, I don't, I, I'm not going to say that like, this is going to be like a permanent thing, but like, I think I need to sort of detox a little bit from the iPad. Now, do you have a good blue light, blue light glass situation? glasses situation no because i have to admit i am like a little skeptical of the whole uh blue light glasses thing dory's a blue light glasses truther i'm a believer and i love blue light glass. i feel like they actually do help me <laughs> okay <laughs> like, i mean then that's great deal with the stress of my screen yeah um i mean i do have my ipad on night mode okay that helps um, so, you know, everything is, is a black background. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll give them a shot. I have a pair of blue light glasses right here on my desk that I just, hmm, from Zenny, from Zenny, um, that I don't use very often. I Hello. like those. They're cute. Oh, they you. look good on you. Oh, thanks. I have some from our sponsor Caddis that I love. And I also have a pair from Gooder that I wear. I alternate between these two. Ooh, that's yeah. exciting. It is pretty exciting. Yeah, that's hot, <sighs> hot excitement over hot here. blue <laughs> light glasses goss. All right, Dor. Well, All right, it's been a pleasure. It has. And uh, should we tell the people the news? Yes. That Forever 35 is hosted and produced by Dory Schaffer and Kate Spencer, and it's produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager, and our network partner is ACAST. It's true. Everybody, have a great rest of your week. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>